Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. So we've got a busy morning today, a lot of stuff happening. I'm going to do an abbreviated message in the Gospel of Luke uh, as we continue there. And then after that, we have some uh, special family business we'll take care of. All right, how's that? Just a little teaser, all right? So if you've not been with us, we are slowly, ever so slowly, working our way through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, We have been in chapter six now for, I think this is the fifth week. Uh, Chapter six is an extended teaching by Jesus, uh, often referred to as the Sermon on the Plain. And it is really a message about what it looks like to follow him. If you're gonna follow Jesus, uh, there are some things required. And he talks about those. He began with a list of blessings and woes, which are really characteristics of life that can either benefit you or potentially harm or threaten you. Uh, After he went over those, talked about loving our enemies and said that for his followers, it's not enough to just love those that love us, but we're really called to love those that don't love us. And in fact, called to love those that might be otherwise uh, unkind to us. Uh, Following that section, he talked about not passing judgment and not condemning others. Uh, After that, he talked about living a fruitful life. And then last week, we, we looked at a, a brief passage where Jesus talks really about uh, learning to be in his presence before we do anything else and drawing the life that we have from him. So this morning he concludes this teaching and he concludes it with two things. First a question and then a parable. And I wanna look at the question before we even inter- look at the parable or introduce the passage. So go ahead and go to the next slide. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? Uh, So he asks this question, kind of poses it in the negative. Why do you say one thing and not do one thing? Uh, And then he tells this parable about building a foundation that really is kind of the answer to the question. But we'll get to that in a second. First, our title this morning is Building a Firm Foundation. Let's uh, pray and we'll we'll get into it. Uh, Lord, we thank you again for your word and ask that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts this morning that it might strengthen us, and that we might draw purpose and meaning in life uh, from your word. In your name we pray, amen. So uh, last week our, <clears throat> our title was Being Precedes Doing. We said it's important to learn to, to be in the presence of God before we do anything, before we engage in ministry and service and, and really any activity in life, we want to learn to just be with the Lord. And that really is important. Being does precede doing. However, uh, being does not preempt doing. Uh, if we truly want to follow Jesus, it, it will include some activity. Jesus asks these people that have been listening to him this question, Lord, Lord, why why do you call me, Lord, Lord? Why do you say that and not do what I say for you to do? 
Um, he says, Lord, Lord, he said twice, Lord, twice. Anytime, you know, you know in, in scripture, but in really uh, kind of the cultural context of the day, when something is repeated, it's for emphasis. He's making a point. Why do you call me Lord? Uh, the Greek word for Lord is kurios, and it really means, it's, it's not specifically a religious term. It just kind of means owner or master. You could be the Lord of the manor, the Lord of the estate. You're the guy that's in charge is basically what that means. Uh, but if someone says, Lord, Lord to you, they are in effect submitting themselves to you. That would be uh, the point for saying that. So he's asking this question, why do you say that? If you say that to me, then you don't do what I tell you to do. It doesn't make sense. And it's a pretty legitimate question, really, when you think about it. I mean, if we have a job and we say, boss, hey, boss, and then we don't do what the boss says, what's going to happen? Well, there will be some consequences to that. You do what the boss says if they're the boss. If we are on a sports team, an athletic team, and we have a coach, and we call the coach coach, and uh, we say coach, and then we don't do what the coach says, there's consequences to that. We call a person coach because they direct us. If we say, Lord, Lord, and we don't respond to what that person that we're submitting to as Lord says, there's a consequence to that. In John chapter 13, Jesus says this, now you know these things, you'll be blessed what? If you do them, there's a response required to knowing the things that God has told us to do, and there's also a connection between the blessedness of our life and carrying out those things that he's instructed us to do. Jesus illustrates this, uh, this principle, this idea with a parable. It's uh, something that he does very often. He uses a parable to illustrate a truth. Parable is a fictional story. It's, it's a story that Jesus makes up to communicate a truth to somebody or to a group of people. And here he uses a parable to illustrate this truth. Go ahead. As for anyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Go ahead. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. And this last little phrase is kind of ominous. Its destruction was complete. There was nothing left. So I said a parable is a story that illustrates a truth. And this story illustrates a truth. And the truth, really, part of the truth is this. Jesus, I, it, I, I read this about, seriously, 25 times this week. And the same thing stuck out to me every time I read it. And that is that Jesus says, when the flood came. He doesn't say, if a flood comes. He said, when the flood came. And that to me is a biblical truth that is 
so often overlooked. It's, it's really ignored completely in some settings. The reality is this, that there's gonna be storms in life. I mean, that's just the way, way it is. And, and here's the thing. We don't know. We don't get to choose when the storms come. We don't know when they'll come. We don't know how big the storm will be when it does come, and we don't know how long it's going to last. Some storms are brief. I've been uh, with friends of mine in Dallas, Texas, and in Dallas, Texas, they have these storms that roll in, and it literally, it's blue skies, and it's beautiful, and you can look off, and you can see this thing, these clouds. It's rolling, 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 and it rolls in, and it dumps rain like it doesn't rain like that here. Here we kind of get this. This is like big rain, just blah, blah. And it does that for about 20 minutes and then it rolls out and it's gone. Some storms are like that. They're powerful, but they come and go pretty quick. But there are other storms that last a long time. We don't know how long a storm's gonna last. But what Jesus is saying is that you can build a foundation in your life now that will serve you well when the storm comes. And friends, I, I'm just going to tell you, man, I think this is one of the most profound truths in all of Scripture. And I think it's one that's overlooked way too often. There are too many times and too many places when you hear somebody say, you know, praise God and pass the potatoes, man. It's all good. I'm trusting Jesus, and that's the way it goes. And so I'm pretty secure that nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. And that's just not the reality that Scripture teaches. I don't know what Bible that comes from, but my Bible talks about a lot of good and godly people who go through a lot of difficult times. The storms come, and what Jesus says is, I want you to prepare yourself today because when that storm comes, there's things you can do now that will serve you and help you endure the storm. You can build a foundation today that will carry you through those times. At this point in the narrative, um, Jesus has been around for a little while. His reputation is starting to spread. He's done some miracles. He's healed a few people. Um, he could gather a crowd. When he stopped to talk, people came to listen. And so he gathers a crowd. They want to hear what he has to say. And he's been laying down in the course of this message some fairly significant truth but right here at this point, he draws a line in the sand. And I don't know if we always see it that way, but that's really what Jesus does. He draws a line in the sand. And he says, you say I'm the Lord, but I want you to know something. If you're the Lord, if I'm the Lord in your life, then you will do what I say. And it really is a defining statement. I think it's as meaningful as powerful today as it was when he first said it because we live in a culture where it's really unclear what it means to be a Christian. I was uh, watching, I, I, I love Anthony Bourdain and I was watching Netflix last night, Anthony Bourdain and uh, he was in Georgia, which used to be part of the Soviet Union. He's talking to these guys, and he makes this statement, it's largely a Christian nation. And I realized that he has a lack of understanding what it really means to be a Christian. People today will say, you know, I 
I live in this country. I'm, I'm in America, so therefore I am a Christian because America is a Christian country. Some people think if I've ever set foot inside a church, if I was in a church in 2009, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. Some people think if I was baptized as an infant, then my salvation is secure, and that, in fact, makes me a Christian. And here's the reality that in different settings, any one of those things might be true to that person. Jesus says, the definition is that you'll do what I say. Um, if, if that's making you a little uncomfortable right now, uh, that was the intent. The reality is that this presents a challenge for most of us. Why? Because we've been told our whole lives that if we profess, if we believe, if we say the name of Jesus, then we're in, right? That's what we've been taught. And you know what? I'm here to tell you, that's true. That is true. Equally true is that if we are in, if we have professed, and if we really do believe in him, it will transform our lives and we will live our lives out differently than we would if we had not done that. We call that both and. Yes, it's true that if we profess Christ, we're in. But it's equally true that if we profess Christ and we're in, it will change how we live. Now, I want to differentiate here a little bit that I'm not saying that the foundation that we lay is our obedience to Christ. Go to the next slide, if you would. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, no one can lay any foundation other than that one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So our foundation is not our obedience to Jesus. The foundation is, in fact, Jesus himself. Our obedience is what we build on top of that. We begin with the relationship with him, and we build up from there. There's a, a, a beautiful old hymn, and if I was somebody else, I'd sing it for you, but I won't. But it says, on Christ the solid ground I stand, all other, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And it's really true. I mean, it's, it's capturing, it's, it's what we call doxology as theology, or theology as doxology. It's truth in, in, in song, that he is the solid rock, he is the foundation, and anything else we build our lives on is not going to endure. It's not going to carry us through those storms when they happen. He's our foundation. We build the house. We build our life on that foundation. And when the storms come, we will be able to withstand those storms because the foundation is solid. This is really a, uh, a, a kind of a, a foundational principle in the vineyard movement. Uh, for any of you that have, are new to the vineyard or if you've been around the vineyard for a while, if you're new, you haven't heard. But we have little phrases that we use from time to time, things like doing the stuff or the meat is in the street. And those are little phrases that are indicating the reality of this truth, that if, if we are actually in Christ, if we're living our life in him, that we will live out what the Bible teaches in the course of our life. And the reason that we use those phrases, the reasons that they're important to us is because the vineyard began at a time historically in the United States uh, in which reading scripture 
was much more emphasized and important than doing what it said. Bless you. Reading scripture was much more important than doing what it said. It was a time when Bible study and knowing the word were goals in and of themselves. And when spirituality was measured by how many Bible studies a week you went to. Now, I I don't know, uh, I grew up in Southern California in the 70s, in the middle of a revival. The Jesus movement and lots of hippies and long-haired people like myself were getting saved. It was wonderful. But really, there was this thing that if you go to one Bible study a week, then, you know, that's good. It's, okay. it's not really good, but it's okay. You go to two or three Bible studies a week, now you're doing better. You go to four Bible studies a week, now you're really a Christian. You're serious, you're committed in your faith. You didn't really ever have to do anything. All you had to really do to be more spiritual was go to more Bible studies and learn more about what the Bible says. But Jesus is saying here, if, if in fact I am truly Lord of your life, then you'll take those things that you've learned and you'll work them out in your day-to-day living. The meat really is in the street. We really are here to do the stuff. So here's another thing about this illustration. The foundation, and some of you, you know, I mean, we all know this, but some of you work in construction and you understand it. The foundation is below ground. You you can't see it. So when you look at two buildings, if one of them is built on a very solid foundation and one is built on a very sketchy foundation, guess what? They look exactly the same. And as long as things are okay in life, those two buildings are going to be the same. It's a big issue in Portland right now because of uh, earthquake retrofits, right? So some of our buildings have foundations that are built to withstand earthquakes. Others that are older do not have those same foundations. So when you drive around downtown, you see those buildings, they look the same. But you also would be wise to know which ones are which, so you're not in one of the ones that doesn't have a good foundation when an earthquake happens. Foundation looks the same, but when the storm comes, the one that's built on the rock is going to stand, and the one that's built on the sand is not. Our old friend James puts this uh, a little more bluntly. Go ahead. I love James, man. He he doesn't pull punches. Do not merely listen to the word, so you deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You got to do it. The kingdom of God is the rule of God in our lives. It's the reign of God in our lives. And when we we enter into God's kingdom, it, it brings about change. In fact, I would say this, entering into the presence of God, the kingdom of God, the rule of God in your life, it changes everything, everything. So to hear his teaching, to read and study the Bible and to not actually engage in it, here's my favorite illustration. There are others, but it's kind of like joining the gym to get in shape and lose weight. You... uh you pay your dues, and you get your card, and then six months goes by, and you think, man, I joined the gym, and I, I haven't, I, they guaranteed results. Nothing's happened. Your friend goes, well, have you gone to the gym? Do you work out? Well, no, but I signed up. 
Joining the gym isn't going to do you a lot of good. You got to go in there and get on that treadmill, baby. I'm just saying. So here's the deal, and I want to. I'm just going to close this part with this. I think there's a strong encouragement for us as believers, followers of Jesus today, to really evaluate our lives and to say, what kind of foundation have I built? Uh, the good news is this, that you can shore up any foundation you might have, and you can add to that. You can strengthen it. You can support it. And, and think about doing those things. It's, it's hard to think about that when things are going well. But, but I think the word of the Lord today is prepare for a storm. Because you never know when they're going to come. Prepare for a storm. You never know. So look at your foundation, evaluate, and maybe see if there's some things that need to be shored up in your life. All right, so here's what we're going to do now. Um, today is a, it, this is fun. I love this. This is a special day for us. T- t- two things. One, today is a celebration. It's, 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 it's really uh, an opportunity for us as a body to celebrate what God's doing in our midst, but it's also very serious. So it's, it's fun and serious at the same time. And I kind of like that. It's, it's really solemn and serious because when you say you're, you're ordaining someone, you're, you're acknowledging the call of God in their life, and that's a serious thing. But it's a celebration, it's a fun thing because you're also acknowledging that God's moving and working in our midst. And so that's really what we're doing today. So I want to ask, well, where's your husband? What are you doing back there? I'm going to have Tucker and Zoe come up for a minute. So... One of the things, one of the things that God is doing in our church, well, let me rephrase. One of the things God's doing in general is he calls people into ministry and service. But in the life of our church, he's calling these guys into ministry and service. So I want to say this, a couple things real quick. One is, it's our conviction in the Vineyard Movement, and and I I believe wholeheartedly, I agree with this, that uh, we cannot ordain anybody that God does that. God ordains people. What we do is we can say yes. We say yes. We acknowledge as a body, as a community of believers today, we acknowledge what we see God doing in this life, uh, this person's life. I like in Galatians, the Apostle Paul says this, God set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Paul walked a different direction for most of his life until God got a hold of him and turned him around. But he says later that, from the womb, God called me. I knew, God knew this was the ultimate destination of my life. I asked Tuck, when did you first feel called? And he said, right as I was getting out of high school. So that's been several years in his life. But my assumption is this today, that the call of God on his life began long before that. You're not standing behind me, are you? Stand next to me. So that, I don't like you. God's call in his life began long before that. And I, I believe this with my whole heart, that God was preparing, there's what we call sovereign foundations, that God was preparing, Tuck, for that ministry and service long before he knew God was doing it. And here's one of the reasons I say that. Because uh, I, I've not known him for a long time, 10 years, maybe, eight eight years, uh, and the time I've known him, I affirm the call of God. And, and here's why. Because as a young man, he's continually made decisions to move his life in that direction. And that's not what every young person does. Some young people make decisions to further their career and make more money. Some people make decisions to do whatever the heck they want to do. 
But I've watched Chuck over and over again make decisions consistent with saying, I want to set my life in a direction that follows God. So one of the decisions that he made along the way was to marry this young lady here. You can clap for that. I have told him repeatedly he married up, to which he has always wholeheartedly agreed. And I, and I say this for a couple reasons. Um, but the most important one is this, that when you do enter into ministry as a married person, it's important that there's a connection and a commitment on behalf of both spouses to pursue that calling. Because if there's not, there's going to be some disconnection, some disjointedness in the course of your life. It's super, super important. And I will say this, I believe that Zoe has every bit as much commitment and call to ministry as Tucker does. And I've seen that in her. So I want to read some words from 2 Timothy. And this is not, um, there's a couple passages in Timothy that are used at times like this. Uh, another one that's used more than this one, but I want to read this one because I felt this week as I was thinking about these guys that this was something that was important. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. And I'll just stop here for a second and say that ministry really is, and especially in our movement, the reality of just passing things on. And I've seen Tuck do that. I've seen him draw people into his life around him and then release ministry in them. And that really is a process and he's been very good at it. But then in verse three, he says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier, gets involved in civilian affairs. He pleases his commanding officer. There's a couple points about that that I want to make. And one is this. When I was young, John Wimber said to me, don't go into ministry unless you can't do anything else. And that was really true. The reason it's true is this because of what I just read from Paul to Timothy, that there's hardship and there's sacrifice involved. The reality is this, there are other decisions, other directions in life that you can make that are a whole lot easier. To respond to the call of God in ministry requires significant endurance in the course of life. You, you, you realize one day, and I'll just let you guys know now, the job is never done. That was the hardest lesson for me to learn in ministry. I, I like finishing things. I love when a job is done. I love, my wife will tell you, I love to mow the lawn and then stand and look at it. Because it's done. Ministry's never done. The reality is in ministry, you run the race and then you run the race some more. And I want to say this, in 38 years in ministry, I've been through a lot. There's been ups and downs. There's been some remarkable seasons, and then there's been some very low seasons. But I want to add that I've never been alone in all that time. And I think that's the beauty of the call of God today is that Paul says, I, I, here's the phrase that, I, that stands out to me the most, endure hardship with us. Because I think he's saying two things in those four words. One is that a life of ministry will at times involve hardship, but you'll never be alone. You'll never be alone. There will always be those people that will be with you in that process. And I want to say to you guys, you're bigger than something 
than yourselves today. You're bigger than this church, something bigger than this church. You're bigger than something than the, the vineyard movement. You're really joining the historical cloud of witnesses that has said yes. Yes, we, me, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. We are, we are saying yes to the call of God upon our lives. And I want to say this. Talk about sovereign foundations. I believe there are any number of young people that are called by God and say no. And, and, and that's to no fault of their own. They live their life out in whatever way they live. In, and I'm not saying that's necessarily bad. That might be good. But it's a limited number of people that are willing to say yes. So I would say this to you guys. Uh, I, one of the things I love the most about Chuck is he's a learner. And he loves to read and he loves to learn. And I would just say keep learning, keep reading, keep growing. Don't ever stop learning. Um, here's another thing I'll say. And this is one of my favorite quotes of all time. If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. And when you say yes to ministry, what you're really saying yes to is a life of service. So for the next 30 or 40 years, 50, I don't know, 50, I'll get, whatever. Five years ago, I told Rose at 60, I was going to retire. She goes, no, 65. <laughs> you're going to push me back to 70 now? But you're going to live a life of service. You're going to serve your family, serve your church. You serve the community around your church. You serve your coworkers. You serve uh, a lot of people, but more than all of that, you serve the Lord. And I love the last phrase in that little passage in Timothy as well, when Paul says, please your commanding officer. And at the end of the day, that's really what counts. And that's what you guys will have to remember, that... In the course of ministry, you're going to piss some people off. But please God, be pleasing to the Lord. At the end of the day, if he's happy with you, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And I want to say this last thing is, one of the things I love about our movement and our, our community is that there are some deep wells. And some are here today, but there's others that are not here today, but you know them, and they're across the country. And the beauty of that is that we can call them up and we can, we can tap into those wells, and they'll give you life. And I tell you, that's, it's... It's been life-giving to me. When I go through hard times, there's a, a list of numbers on my speed dial that I can call. One of them is my, my friend Steve, and sometimes I call Steve and I'll say hello. And he'll say, you have that voice. And he knows I need to talk. And I want to say to you guys, there are those wells in this community. And there are those people that you know you can turn to and look to. And don't ever forget that. That's the beauty of it at the end of the day as we walk through life with those people and we serve with them together. In the book of Acts, Paul says this, I serve the Lord with humility and tears. I hope that marks my life at the end of it and I hope it marks your life at the end of it. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org forward slash give.